This is Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Call the show now at 760-480-8477. Email us at officehours at wscal.edu. Now, Scott Clark. As the man said about the Grateful Dead, academic year 2021 has been a long, strange trip. For part of the year, we've been online only, and for part of the year, we've been in hybrid mode with some of our students in class and some of our students online. As you're hearing this, we've had an in-person commencement ceremony, which included this year's graduates as well as some of last year's who were not able to walk, of course, because of the COVID restrictions. Despite all of the challenges, the students have persevered, continued their preparation, and now they're ready to take the next step towards the vocation to which God is calling them. For most of our graduates, that will be pastoral ministry, and that's the principal reason for the existence of Westminster Seminary, California, to prepare men for pastoral ministry. For some of our graduates, it will be graduate school or a career as a writer. For others, it will mean service as a ruling elder or a catechism teacher. It's been a few years since Office Hours has talked with some graduating students, and this seemed like a good time to hear from them. Joining us to talk about their seminary experiences are three graduates, Nate Paschal, Laurel Goodwin, and Alan Giles. Joining us now is Nate Paschal, who is graduating this spring with a Master's of Divinity degree from Westminster Seminary, California. Hi, Nate, and welcome to Office Hours. Hi, Dr. Clark. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with us. I know that it's finals week, and uh, you should have your hands full. And if you don't, then it means that we're not doing our job. (laughs) Well, the listener may not know this, and if the listener is wise, he is not on Twitter. But if you are on Twitter, you might actually remember this. One of Nate's several claims to fame, two come to mind. One, he has an outstanding Western mustache, single-handedly bringing back the 1970s by himself. And um, he is uh, responsible for maybe one of the greatest Twitter threads of all time. It actually broke Twitter, as I recall. When was that? Uh, That was uh, 2017. 2017. That was the great Taco Bell fire sauce thread. How did that get started? Well, uh, I do what I do, and I (laughs) went to Taco Bell for lunch, and... You know, and that that's where often great thoughts come into my mind as I'm waiting in, in the drive through. <laughs> I had never thought of Taco Bell as a source of inspiration and contemplation on on, on great things. I have many okay. interesting places of contemplation, but we'll, okay. we'll stick with Taco Bell for the show today. And <laughs> as I was leaving the drive through and got my fire sauce, and I just thought, this is such a great hot sauce. And I just thought, this is legit. This is legitimately good. And that birthed the tweet that uh, took over the Twitter sphere for several months that Taco Bell fire sauce is a legitimately good hot sauce. This was a hotly controverted thesis. So you've heard of the 95 theses. This was Nate's one thesis (laughs) that uh, nearly destroyed Twitter. It, It was a phenomenon just to watch this thing and to print it out. Or somebody said they had saved the whole thread somehow. And it really was, as my kids say, ginormous. Yeah, it was. You would reach points where it took minutes for the thread to load just because there were so many <laughs> replies. That That's a large thread. So, But when you're not tweeting, 
And you haven't been really while you're in school, right, during the semester. What have you been doing with your time at Westminster Seminary, California? Yeah, well, I, you know, I've just finished up my sixth year and did part-time for a couple of years because I was working. I worked for one company called Christian Audio that some people may be familiar with. And then the last couple of years, I've been working IT. So that's my job outside of seminary. And then also have a wife and two girls. So that consumes a, a large portion of my time. So in other words, you've been a busy guy. Yes, very busy. <laughs> Where are you from? I grew up literally two blocks from the seminary. I couldn't quite throw a rock at it, but I drove right by the seminary probably for about five years straight where I lived in high school. But I grew up in the neighborhood just adjacent to the seminary. So, Oh, wow. Just so right on the hill. Yes, right on the hill. Wow. Okay. And yet, as I understand it, we didn't really make a dent in your consciousness right away. No, seminaries was not in my mind at that time. My mind was filled with surfing and video games. Where's your favorite place to surf? My favorite place is Encinitas. There's a little surf uh -huh. spot called Turtles. Yeah, yeah. There's a campground there. And uh, yeah, I've kind of made it my own, what do you call it? My local sure. spot, as people like to say here in California. People might not uh, understand this, but there's kind of a little community that develops, right? You go to the same surf spot, you know, on the same days at the same time, and you kind of get to know the other folks who are there, right? Yeah. And we hoot at each other and we uh, celebrate when we catch good waves and we laugh at each other when they fall. So it's a great time. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do when a shark shows up and takes one of you away? Do you hold awake or do you, are you like the crows that circle overhead when one of them dies? We're just thankful that it wasn't us and we keep surfing because there's one less guy yeah. in the water. <laughs> <laughs> It's very uh, yeah. Darwinian. Well, he didn't get me, so I'm going to paddle yep. out again. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Well, I always wondered how that was. <laughs> There's some insight there. And where did you go to school and how did you get to Westminster Seminary, California? Yeah, I did my undergrad at Biola University up in Los Angeles, did a biblical studies degree there, which was great. I really enjoyed my education and really, I think, helped prepare me for seminary with studying Greek a little bit there and the theology and biblical emphasis that was in that degree. So I did that for my undergrad. And then, you know, it's a long story of how I ended up here at Westminster, but the Lord brought me on a few different detours through my life over the past 10, 15 years, but ended up back in San Diego in Escondido and met my wife. And we did a journey into the Reformed world. We didn't grow up in the Reformed world at all. And through that process, got exposed to many of the professors here, yourself included, Dr. Clark, from blogs and podcasts and books and those kinds of things, and really opened my eyes to just the beauty of Reformed theology and confessionalism and those kinds of things that I wasn't aware of beforehand and really excited me about what was happening at Westminster Seminary. What was your journey like coming in to the Reformed Church out of a broader evangelical background? What was the single biggest struggle you had? I think the single biggest struggle was leaving the church that I grew up at. I had solid relationships with our pastor, the senior pastor of the church, with several other pastors who were on staff. I grew up at a mega church here with you know, five or 6,000 members. And uh, I'd worked in, in youth ministry and I had family that was in leadership there. And I think it was really hard for me to think of leaving those relationships behind. And, you know, it was a good, they preached the gospel at that church and I came to know the Lord there. 
And that was a big challenge for me to think about leaving those relationships behind. And, you know, it feels like this, I'm rejecting not just a church, but the people there. And I didn't want to give that impression because I had dear friends and relationships there. And I think that was a big difficulty for me because as I learned more about Reformed theology and the Reformed church and the piety and the practice and everything that they were doing, I was just drawn more and more towards that. And I just saw it you know, this is what scripture is teaching. And eventually it came to a point where I sat down with my pastor and had a conversation with him and said, you know, this is the direction I'm going. And that went really well. And he encouraged me and said, you know, I completely understand. He said, I'm sad to see you go. But uh, I think that was the biggest hurdle for me was the change of what that would bring because it was entering into a real unknown of who am I going to you know, spend time with uh, at a church and what's this going to look like and what's life going to look like on the other side of finding a new church. I think that was definitely my biggest challenge. And how has it been since you did it? Initially, it was a struggle. You know, it did take a couple of years for me to find my feet and my wife. We were engaged at the time when we started this journey. But after we found our feet, it's been a wonderful thing for our family and joined a TCA church down in Poway, which is just down the road from the seminary here. And it's been a, a wonderful experience for us. And we've, you know, have a wonderful church that is supporting us. And, you know, they have encouraged me in ministry and towards ministry, which is uh, another piece of the journey there. And uh, I'm so grateful for what we've had as a result of that, having a worship that is biblically informed and, you know, moving in that direction has really been a good thing for me personally, a good thing for our family. And um, we've been able to serve in all kinds of ways in, in our church that we're very grateful for. When you think about your seminary uh, career, six years working and studying, raising a family, serving a congregation in various ways, besides mustaches and taco sauce. <laughs> what are some of the highlights that come to mind as you think back now, as, you, as it's coming to a close? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one highlight is definitely just being in class. I've really enjoyed all the professors that I've had and just the unique perspective and education and study and that they bring to the lectures in class. You know, we have top tier professors at Westminster and they've, you know, poured their heart and souls into making sure that they're bringing the best of scholarship and understanding to those lectures. And that was so helpful for me to hear how they synthesize a lot of, you know, theology and history and the Bible and, you know, foreign languages and these kinds of things that I would not have otherwise got. You know, being at Biola for my undergrad, we had good professors there, but it's just a whole nother level here in the graduate level at Westminster. And I just love the lectures of, you know, being poured into both just from learning about history and learning about scripture, but also bringing a pastoral aspect into that where, you know, the, the nuggets that you all would bring to the classroom dynamic that we get up to see how, not just what theology is saying, but how is this going to look like as you articulate this to people and how is this going to impact them was just a very rich experience for me. Where are you going from here as you graduate? Do you have an internship or what's happening? 
Yeah, I do. I have an internship. We'll be headed to Naples, Florida, just about as far away from San Diego as you can get, <laughs> both in distance and uh, weather-wise. So you're going to become Florida man. That's what you're telling us? Yes, that's part of the mustache, you know. It, it, uh, <laughs> you're, you're ready. Yeah. Yes, you are ready. <laughs> uh, California man is now becoming Florida man. But we'll be headed to Naples, Florida and joining an OPC one-year internship there with uh, Pastor Eric Hausler, who is a Westminster grad many years ago. Yeah, you say that like that's a bad thing. He <laughs> was actually behind me, Eric was. I remember when he came as a student, and uh, he was um, obviously a, a, a terrific guy, and he has the distinction of not only being a, a missionary, a pastor, he served in Michigan, he served in Florida, but he, he looks Right, He's the spitting image of Jay Gresham Machen. And when he came as an incoming student, I looked at him and I thought, this guy looks exactly like Machen. That's amazing. We have a portrait in the library. And I actually said, Eric, stand under this portrait. And he, of course, looking at me like, um, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but he consented and true enough. And as the years have gone on, he's only come to look more like Machen. And I think actually he embodies other aspects of me. I mean, he, he, anyway, I'm not talking about reincarnation. I just think uh, that uh, he's a Westminster guy. Yeah. So you're very fortunate to be able to be with uh, an experienced, gracious, thoughtful, intelligent fellow. And by the way, you tell him I said all these kind things about him. So I will relate all of them to him. <laughs> so we're, we're thankful for Eric and uh, glad for your time here. And uh, it was, it's been wonderful to get to know you and spend time with you. Yeah, likewise. And marvel at your taste in Mexican food. Listener, if you don't know this, Escondido is blessed with, uh, Nate and I have estimated at least 50 Mexican restaurants of various kinds from you know different states in Mexico. And remarkably, for all of the variety of, and there's food of every kind in San Diego County, and even in Escondido. So if you have an adventurous palate, San Diego County is a great place for you. But despite all of that authentic, locally produced family restaurant Mexican food. Nate's favorite place is Taco Bell. <laughs> that I find is an astounding thing. So if Taco Bell was closed for repairs, where would you go here in town? Where would I go? You know, that's a great question. I'm left scratching my head asking that same question a lot. You know, I'm a big fan of the In-N-Out Burger, which I, I'm aware that you're also not a big fan of yourself. So, you know, it's two strikes against you. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's overrated, but it's okay. And here we see the difference between you and me, you know, Taco Bell, <laughs> In-N-Out. I have a high palate and, you know. <laughs> and my palate was formed in Nebraska and Kansas. So There's a few great restaurants here in town. One of my favorites is no longer going. It was called the Stradas, but uh, that was, the I think, the best authentic Mexican food. Mm. But I think a, a few great ones would be TJ Tacos that's right down the street from oh, yeah. the seminary. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, be careful going west on East Valley Parkway because uh, there's a line of cars out the driveway and into the street yes. trying to get into TJ's. Yes, that's a great one. So, And you've been living on campus. Did you move in right after the village opened? 
Yeah, we did. We were living down in Poway, and when the village opened up here, it just seemed like a great fit for us and our family. And it's been wonderful for us. And, you know, the friends that we've made here that will be lifelong friends, a place for our kids to really get connected with other kids and play and, you know, and for my wife to be able to meet other either, you know, women that are in seminary themselves or other wives and they can dialogue and for us all to get together and talk about all the things we're learning in school and, you know, debate and argue or learn and encourage one another. That's just been such a great experience for us. You're listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. This is Office Hours and we're talking with three graduates from the class of 2021. Laurel Goodwin is graduating from Westminster Seminary, California this spring, and she joins us now. Hi, Laurel, and welcome to Office Hours. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Well, we are very excited. I'm excited to talk to you, and I'm excited about the fact that you have completed your MA. Remind me which program you're in. I uh, will hopefully be finishing up the theological studies this week. Okay, so MA Theological Studies. This program is going out the first Monday in June, but as you and I speak, you are in the throes of final exams. So how are you doing? You know what, Dr. Clark, I'm doing. Um, I, I'm i feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Okay. Um, I think it'll be all right. I'm sure it will be, but uh, it's a trial, isn't it? Final exams, physically, emotionally, obviously intellectually. They are, and I think they really stretch you as far as balancing your time, because if you have two finals on the same day, so you start to study something and you want to keep going, but you still have a different subject you have to study. So it's definitely a unique situation, that's for sure. Well, you're not a rookie, so you know how to do this. Before we dive into your background, compare your first semester finals, right? The finals after your first semester here and your finals at the end of your last semester. How would you compare those? Just your preparedness, your ability to navigate all of that. Oh, my gosh. It was just chaos and calamity my first semester. Um, <laughs> and why, I, why was that? I had been out of school for quite a while at that point, um, which we can get into later. But you do have to relearn how to learn and study and balancing your time and just taking breaks and just acknowledging that you need those. I am pleased to say that I have grown <laughs> in at least that regard in the last three years. Okay, let's back up and introduce the listener to you. You are not from California. So how did you get to Westminster, California? Where, where did you start? Where were you born? So I'm originally from Texas, a very, very small town in Southeast Texas. I graduated college and graduated in the middle of a recession. This is about 2012. Did some volunteer work and then joined the Navy simply because I needed a job. And at that point, it was very difficult to find a job for someone at entry level in the workforce that you could support yourself with. So I enlisted, ultimately wound up in Japan, spent three years there, and decided I wanted to go to seminary with my GI Bill. And so I didn't want to go back to Texas, and I didn't want to live on the East Coast or the Midwest. And so the West Coast was just kind of what was left. So I Googled seminary on the West Coast and Westminster popped up. I had never heard of it. I went on the site. I looked at the confessions, decided I agreed with most of it and um, just decided it would probably be too expensive to go there because of the housing cost, of course, of Southern California. And so fast forward a few months, I'm now out of the Navy. It's April. 
I'm looking at seminary again, and I just decided on a whim to just look at Westminster one more time. I called, and at that point, I spoke to Adam Smith, and he told me about the housing. I had no idea about that, and I applied. I got approved for housing, and two months later, I started Greek One. Let's hear it for the algorithm, right? It- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you you are the second person in this series of interviews uh, that I'm doing for this episode who said that they found Westminster Seminary, California, simply by Googling Seminary West Coast. So you're, you're not alone. And both of you have military backgrounds. In fact, both of you are, are in the Navy or were in the Navy. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So let's hear it for the Navy. Thank you for your service, by the way. <laughs> So what, what was your uh, duty in the Navy? What was your job? Basically receptionist, almost glorified receptionist. I wound up working for the commander of the 7th Fleet. And that's an admiral. So you worked for a flag officer. I did. I worked for an admiral. And I mean, it sounds far more exciting than what it is. I just fetched coffee and newspapers and made small talk with guests and that sort of thing. But of all the jobs you could have in the Navy... And there are some pretty ugly jobs in the Navy. That was a pretty good job. It really was. It could have been much, much worse. And you did get to see the world, right? You were stationed in Japan. I did. They did fulfill that promise. I I did get to see some stuff. And admirals travel. They do. They do travel extensively. I wasn't on his travel team, Okay. but I was on the ship that got to meet them. So we got to see all kinds of places. It's Asia is such a beautiful place. So what was the most exciting thing you did as an aide to an admiral? Um, a lot of times we would have to work like his parties, we would host at his home. Those are pretty fun because rank doesn't necessarily dissolve, but it does get a little bit looser. And so it, it was just nice to see these flag officers as people and also just port calls in places like Singapore and Thailand. It's just a good experience overall. Before you could be an aide to an admiral, you had to make it through Navy Basic. Mm-hmm. So compare Navy Basic to two years as a uh, MA student at Westminster Seminary, California. Oh my gosh! I mean, Greek One alone has basic training. B like just <laughs> I was far more stressed out in Greek One. Whom did you have for Greek One? I had Dr. Telfer. And did Dr. Telfer make you do push-ups? He did not, thankfully. <laughs> he, he had mercy on me. Okay, there were no push-ups and no obstacle courses or any of that. But it was difficult because of the memorization. Yeah, and it was so much information that you were trying to process, even though you almost didn't have time to process it. It was more of just a, let me try and learn this and replicate it. And the processing happens later, I feel like in grade two and three and four. Yeah, just the sheer amount of information. But you made it. and you So you made it through Navy Basic and you made it through Boot Camp Greek. Yes, by some miracle, I did make both. And how is your Greek now? You know, it is. Um, I definitely need to keep up with it more than I do. I'm hoping once I graduate and belonging all of my academic responsibilities kind of fade away, I'll be able to pick back up on the languages. Do you think that your language instruction laid a foundation for you to continue to be able to build on that? I think so. I do. I think we were given the tools. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever got actually came from Dr. Baugh. And he you know, was lecturing about Greek. And he was saying that once you get out of seminary, just parse and translate a sentence a day. 
and just slow, slowly and steadily work on it. You'll learn better and you'll get so much better instead of taking huge chunks. So you get out of the Navy, you Google seminary, you find Westminster and uh, you visited. I actually, I didn't visit. I came in blind. Oh, where were we with the housing when you applied? Uh, the housing was built and okay. I think at like 90% capacity, I was one of the last ones to get it. I do know that. So talk about your experience in the housing. How was that? I have really enjoyed the community here. I've made really great friends. In some aspects, it's very nice to live with people who are also doing the same thing you're doing. They're learning the same courses. And then, you know, you have the ones who are ahead of you and they can encourage you with, you know, these very difficult courses that you're doing. And then the ones behind you that you can encourage and, you know, give them pointers and like, okay, I did this, you should probably consider doing that. And just living in a community that supports each other spiritually, that has been wonderful. Compare Navy housing to the village at Westminster Seminary, California. <laughs> um, this is definitely a step up. I will, from the barracks, for sure, this is a step up. What do you hope to do with all this? I know your first goal, right, is after you get done with all this, is to rest a little bit and then look for work. But what do you hope to do with your education? My hope has always been just to be a better Sunday school teacher, to lead a better women's Bible study, design a better children's curriculum, something along those lines. Just be a more educated lay person. What's the value of, and I think this is really interesting, what is the value of theologically educated lay people in the church? Oh my gosh, it's exponential. <laughs> it is so helpful to have other people in the church who have gone through, and Nothing replaces knowing your Bible and studying it. That's that's definitely not what I'm saying. But someone who has gone through systematics and understands this is why we believe what we believe. And for example, right now I'm taking a confessions class and it has been so helpful to walk through the confessions and walk through the required reading of seeing this is why the divines phrased it this way. This is why they did this. Just knowing the specificity of why we believe what we believe makes it so much clearer. So you came to Westminster Seminary, California without having a Reformed background. You looked at the confessional statement. You said, yeah, I can live with most of that. How are you now? Describe your process a little bit theologically as you come to seminary from outside the PNR world, plunged into the midst of a confessional PNR seminary, right? PNR, Presbyterian and Reformed. And now here you are on the end of all that process. How has that been? I came in as someone that I would describe as kind of a disgruntled evangelical. There are still a few things here and there. I would describe myself as Presbyterian. Um, I am, <laughs> okay, what does that mean? I still agree with credo-baptism. I'm just not quite on the pedo-baptism train yet. I'm not saying I never will be. Sure. Uh, I'm just saying that as it stands now, I do agree with credo-baptism. I don't think... Pedo-baptism is an incorrect way to administer the sacrament. 
I just leaned toward credo baptism. You're still working on that. No, I think that's great. In, in a sense, I think it's great for people to hear that this is not exactly a Play-Doh factory where we take uh, the dough, put it into the thing, you squeeze down, and then everybody comes out the same shape. I guess my next question is, how is it for you subjectively, experientially, going through that process here? So there are people here who either come in already PNR or while they're here become very strongly PNR. And then some people are in process. So how was that for you coexisting with all of these different people at different stages of their theological development? Oh my goodness. It's so interesting to watch your classmates and your friends, you know, consider things and mull them over and be presented with, you know, ideas or theories that they never really had to wrestle with before. I would say for me specifically, the idea of a worship service has changed drastically. I had never heard of the regulative principle of worship until I got here. And when a professor, I can't even remember who it was, when they said it, I didn't even know what that meant. And so I would say for me, my idea of worship and just the reverence that should be presented in worship, that has changed exponentially for me. I feel like I'm at a totally different, not side, side isn't the right word, but it's the best word to convey what I mean. I'm in a, definitely in a different place with that. Baptism, like I said, I'm still sympathetic to credo baptism. And I think if I went home to Texas and I found just a good Baptist church that was closest that I agreed with, I would go there. But I'm certainly, I, I mean, currently I attend and work for a local PCA, and I feel at home in both. And did you feel at home here? You felt comfortable here? You didn't feel oppressed or demeaned in any way? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, some students, I think, are a little bit more hard-nosed than other people. We find the same thing in the church. It's just the way life is. But no, I, I found, especially with the professors, a respect for orthodox views and an understanding that we're all different people. And like you said, it's not a Plato factory. Not everyone is going to arrive at the same conclusion. And in most cases, that's all right. There are many important callings in this life. Physicians, nurses, police officers, and firefighters, they all save lives until Jesus returns. Everyone helped by a doctor, a nurse, a firefighter, or a police officer, however, will die. And then what? There is another calling that is vitally and eternally important, the ministry of the gospel. At Westminster Seminary, California, we've been educating men for pastoral ministry since 1980. Scripture says, after this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's John 6, 66-69. Jesus does have the words of eternal life, and he's commissioned his church and his ministers, his servants, to announce them to the world. Perhaps the Lord is calling you to pastoral ministry or to some other kind of service. We're grateful for your prayers and support as we seek to continue to fulfill our calling to help men and women fulfill their callings for Christ, His gospel, and His church. This is Office Hours, and we're talking with three graduates from the class of 2021. 
Joining us now is Alan Giles, who is graduating with a Master of Arts from Westminster Seminary, California. Hi, Alan, and welcome to Office Hours. Hey, Dr. Clark, how are you? I am well. You? I'm doing well, yes. As you and I are talking, it's finals week. Did you just get out of an exam? Nope, I've got uh, one tomorrow. Shouldn't be too bad. Okay. All right. Very good. And uh, this is not only the end of the semester for you, but this is the end of your time at Westminster Seminary. Assuming everything goes well with the exams, uh, you (laughs) are graduating. Yes. Yeah. Looking forward to it, but going to miss Westminster as well. That's very exciting. And we'll get to where you're going in a minute, but let's talk a little bit about how you got here. Tell us where you grew up. I grew up in a small town, actually in California, not the typical California town, just a a little desert town up in the valley. So it's called Apple Valley, kind of near Victorville. At the time was just a a little group of maybe 30,000 people. It's probably 10 times that now, though. (laughs) Yeah, I could say that used to be a small town. That's not a small town anymore. Every time I go through Victorville, Apple Valley, I'm amazed. Mrs. Clark can tell you that uh, this is true. I always say, what are you people doing here? (laughs) 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 Because it's 115 degrees. Yeah. I know what you're doing here. You're sleeping in Apple Valley and you're commuting into Los Angeles. Yes. <laughs> is what you're doing. When I came through Victorville for the first time in 1984, what you said is exactly right. There was nothing there. I think uh, the Roy Rogers and Dale Evans Museum was the yeah. biggest attraction in the area. Yeah. There was one hotel in Victorville. Okay. And I don't think Apple Valley existed. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> That's how things have developed. I'm always amazed when I go through there, but. Uh, such as the nature of suburban sprawl in Southern California. Yes. But you didn't stay in Apple Valley. Where did you go off to school? No. Well, growing up in the desert, you know, I thought I'm going to join the Navy and get near some water. (laughs) So uh, so I actually went to the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, uh, after graduating from high school. So I did my uh, bachelor's degree there and then was commissioned as an officer and then served just about six years in the United States Navy uh, before getting out. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. You say, I went to the United States Naval Academy. You don't just apply to the Naval Academy, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I suppose you don't just go either. You, you survive. <laughs> There's a whole process, right? There the is. listener may not know how difficult it is to get into the Naval Academy. Lots of people want to go to the Naval Academy. It's a very prestigious place to do your undergrad. And of course, it leads to a career typically as an officer in the United States Navy. But you have to be appointed to the Naval Academy. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Yes. So, Congressman Jerry Lewis, that's who appointed me. So I was, I remember being 17 years old and interviewing with Congressman Jerry Lewis and the Admiral was in there and and an Air Force General. Yeah, went through that whole process and secured a a nomination. (laughs) So that is a very intimidating meeting to be seen. And not to, I mean, of course, when you say Congressman Jerry Lewis, you know, I'm of the age that I immediately think (laughs) not of the congressman, but of the entertainer. But these are obviously two different people. Yes. Yeah. Um, And here you are sitting in a room at 17 with an admiral and a general. Yes. Did you appreciate what that meant? <laughs> no. That you were sitting in a room with flag officers? No, no idea. I mean, yeah, I grew up in a small town in the desert, you know, it's just guys with a bunch of brass on their chest like in the movies, you know. <laughs> By the time you finished your, I assume, your first semester at the Naval Academy, you had some idea of what it meant to be in the presence of flag officers. Yes, a little bit, but then a, a really good idea of what it meant to be in the presence of drill instructors. They probably yeah. had a bigger impression <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's right. So yeah, your college experience was probably very different from the typical undergraduate experience of a number of our students. Yes. So off you were to the service, and uh, I don't know how much detail you want to go into about that, but uh, you didn't have, we'll say, the typical experience <laughs> in the Navy. Yeah, no, a little bit different. You know, I think the biggest difference was I went in before 9-11. And the world was a different place when I went to uh, Naval Academy in 1999. Yeah. And about halfway through my time there, you know, a couple of years in, the landscape, at least of America yeah. and large part of the oh, world, yeah. changed forever on September 11th, uh, 2001. So, yeah, it was a big difference for me as far as everything else, you know. So, yeah, there you are in college and suddenly your future is very, very clear. You know what you're going to be doing when you graduate, don't you? And yes. all of your lessons now take on, I, I assume, added significance. Yes. Yeah, very much. Uh, everything that was theoretical became a reality. Uh, everything that might potentially happen someday became you know, much more like this is happening soon, anytime now, you know, in the next year, once we're commissioned, this is what we're doing for a living. Uh, so, yeah. And when you came here, you came here already, when I say here, to Westminster Seminary, California, you came with pastoral experience. You had already pastored a church and planted a congregation. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, that's correct, too. A similar experience here at Westminster in that uh, there was a lot less theory for me and a lot of just practical application and in a good appreciation for how much of what we do at Westminster is very meaningful for the life of the everyday pastor. Yeah. So when you're studying Greek and uh, you know, learning Greek and learning Hebrew, that's not just an academic exercise. You knew that you were learning skills that you needed mm -hmm. when you were serving as a pastor, and now you understood how valuable those skills were. Yes. Now that you're going to be able to open up the Word of God in the original languages mm. and do your sermon prep out of the Hebrew and Greek texts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very useful. Well, the whole system at Westminster, the whole program of study, brings to the exegete a whole new level of precision. And I think that's one of the big advantages at, at Westminster. You know, I tell people, I don't have to wonder what Paul's saying anymore. I get what he's saying. I, I get exactly what he's saying. My uh, dilemma now is not to determine what he's saying, but how do I deliver this message to the modern audience? Yeah. Uh, how do I bring this truth to them without changing that truth? but bringing it in such a way that they can understand it today. And as you were thinking about you know, leaving the pastorate and going and getting the education and the preparation that you knew you needed, I'm sure you thought, you know, I need to go to a confessionally reformed seminary on the West Coast, and Westminster Seminary in California is clearly that place. It's uh, well known to me, and it's the obvious choice. <laughs> That's how the process went, right? Yeah, quite the opposite. No, quite the opposite. <laughs> I, uh, no, Wrong I microphone <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd never heard of Westminster, you know, and, and I actually literally Googled Reformed Seminaries on the West Coast. And Westminster popped up and my wife and I were in San Diego on vacation, a little bit of a getaway, and said, hey, let's drive over and look at this seminary. And uh, we took a quick tour and Adam Smith, the guy that gave us the tour there, he prayed with us. And then we just spent some time walking to the library and the bookstore. And I realized, man, I've read a lot of these authors. <laughs> Maybe I'm reformed and I don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't be the first person to discover that he, you know, you were on your way to becoming reformed. Sure. And you didn't even know it. I don't know how many people have said to me, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> yeah. 
Definitely, that's the feeling. So here you are, you're a Naval Academy graduate. You survived and flourished through some of the most difficult military training known to man. And you've been a, a pastor, which is also obviously very challenging. And now you are at Westminster Seminary, California. Compare those three experiences, or four. Yeah, you know, I'll say they what they have in common. They all require a great deal of discipline personal discipline. They all require a great deal of perseverance and they all require that you get some good habits and you find ways to enjoy doing what God's put before you to do. Uh, and I think maybe that's one of the, the biggest things is, you know, life's not easy in this fallen world. It's not easy for pastors. It's not easy for mothers, for grandparents, for children. Uh, life is difficult. And what we have in Christ is we have the security for the world to come, for all of eternity. And that frees us up to now enjoy this life that we're living right here, enjoy the things that he's put before us to do, to go after things tenaciously, to work hard, to persevere, and just to live life that he's called us to live. What are uh, some of the highlights of your uh, experience here? Uh, when you think back now of your time here, sure. what are the things that stand out in your mind? At Westminster Seminary, at, some of the highlights are certainly the biblical theology, you know, the languages, uh, exegeting scripture in, in Greek and Hebrew. You know, for me, it was just church history. I really enjoyed church history, and I'm not just saying that because you're on the call here. You know, there's so much confidence in knowing, hey, I'm not preaching this new gospel. I'm not, I didn't just discover this. This is ancient. This is first century stuff that this is how the apostles preached because that's how Jesus taught them. This is how the patristics taught the scriptures. This is how the reformers taught. You know, I'm just the next one in this long line of people to proclaim this gospel from the scripture. And then really, I appreciated the systematics, especially with Dr. Van Drunen, just the precision and the clarity and the conciseness uh, with which he helps us build that system to teach from. You are already on your way right after graduation you're off to new hampshire that's right and not for vacation no <laughs> we hope you're going to take some time along the way it's a nice long trip between here and new hampshire i guess yeah you're going from one corner of the united states to another yeah i guess you'll have an opportunity to see whatever you want to see along the way yeah but you already have a call that's true to be a yes. pastor yes so tell us a little bit about that yes i received a call and accepted for a congregational church on the southern part of new hampshire just outside of boston about an hour hour and a half outside of boston and so we'll be going out there you know there's not a lot of churches in new england i should say there's not a lot of gospel preaching churches in new england and there's not a lot in general i think if you look at the map of the united states you look at where are the mission fields in the u.s the northeast and the northwest they bubble up to the surface mm -hmm. and the northeast even above that you know when you drive around that area other Christians, they'll point at a church, you know, once every 30 minutes and go, oh, that church actually preaches the Bible over there. It's a rarity, you know. So uh, we're excited to be missionaries in a way here in our own country and really just to preach the gospel week in and week out. And trust the Holy Spirit to do what, what we know he's going to do as we proclaim the gospel. Well, it has been an honor to have you here. It has been a privilege. I don't say that about all my students, <laughs> but I have, uh, I, I think in some ways I've learned as much from you as you have from us. And I th that's often the case, but uh, uh, I'm uh, thrilled that you already have a call and that uh, congregation has recognized your uh, gifts and, uh, you know, you've sort of made that match. So I'm looking forward to you, uh, I guess, resuming your ministry, but doing it in light of what you've been able to accumulate here. Um, absolutely. Yep. And it's been a privilege to be at Westminster. It'll be forever one of my favorite seasons of life, studying at Westminster Seminary, California. Thanks for listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. 
Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now to Office Hours in iTunes. Find all the shows at wscal.edu slash office hours. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved.